This is a TSN 1040 hot audio clip brought to you by Universal Supply, Vancouver's largest plumbing wholesaler, where you don't have to be a plumber or a contractor to save big on all the big name brands. This week, they get one overtime loss in a pretty hard-fought game against the Blues. But what is your overall analysis of what you saw in those three games? Well, I don't think the scoreline really reflects, uh, or the record really reflects, how the team overall played through the week. Um, if you start Tuesday night against the Blues, uh, the Canucks really, they, they push play at even strength. And uh, in a game where the Cup champions were on top, uh, of their game, the Canucks responded really well. It was a tight checking game. Uh, not a lot for the Canucks as far as space in the neutral zone. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to work with as far as being able to attack with speed. Uh, both teams playing very tight, and we talked about that playoff atmosphere. I think this is that that game against the Blues was the type last year where they would have rolled over because typically Vancouver's offense has been so predicated on uh, on they need the space in the neutral zone to uh, to generate speed and, and create rush in, rush chances in transition um, and you saw the Canucks able to adapt and because of some of the reinforcements that they've added on the wings uh, because they moved the puck better because they're better defensively they held their own really well and I think um, I think they were probably the better team in St. Louis I think if you look at Thursday against Chicago that was a bit of a stinker um, but then again I think they responded pretty well in Winnipeg uh, you have to remember it was the second leg of a back to back you're talking about three games and four nights um, and same thing for the most part they outshot, outchanced Winnipeg at 5-on-5 five five. Uh, the problem is they got to get those special teams going again as far as the power play the entries have been uh, a big problem but if you're consistently controlling play at even strength, that to me is the the biggest indicator. And I think uh, they were unlucky last night. Like to me, if if Connor Hellebuck really stole that game for Winnipeg last night, um, I think for the most part, uh, the, the team should be pretty happy with how it's pl- with how it played uh, uh, yesterday. But for sure, adversity is is coming now that they've dropped dropped four of the last five yeah uh and and i mean you're the kind of guy that likes to look at the underlying data and and we asked on our poll question uh we started it on sports saturday and bringing it into rink wide as well do the canucks need to implement uh load management with chris tanov and alex edler now someone like yourself who does dive a little bit deeper have you seen any data that would reflect that this would work in the nhl uh, well, I think we'd need to, I, I think there's research that would need to be done and I'm, and I'm not sure that there uh, have been a lot of case studies, but I think the, the biggest indicator is you can tell when a guy's worn out. And I think for, for Alex Edler last night, he was just, like he's been so effective through the early part of the season. He's a big part of the team's success. Um, but he, he just looked worn out. You could tell that, 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 that he was on the second leg of a back to back. He again skated over 25 minutes last night. Five more minutes than any other skater on the team. And he was just shot on both goals against. He didn't move his feet at all. Uh, he, he didn't move the puck well at all. In the third period, he had three bad pinches that each led to odd man rushes against that was a very ugly game for Edler and I think it goes back to the fact that throughout the course of the season so far he's sixth among all NHL defensemen and averaging over 25 minutes a night so he's playing more minutes than he did last year and when you think about it that that can't happen because you've substituted uh, Derek Pouillot, Eric Branson and Ben Hutton 
for Quinn Hughes, Tyler Myers, and Jordy Ben, you've got to balance the minutes out better because if not, you're going to get more performances uh, from him like you did last night. And and if that's Alex Edler that you're getting, this isn't like it, making the playoffs is uh, going to be a very tough challenge. So definitely, I think some level of load management needs to be implemented to cut his minutes down so he's fresher. Rink wide on TSN 1040. We're joined by Harmon Dial of the Athletic Vancouver. Harmon, I wanted to ask you, and I, I, like it, it feels as if we're bringing this player up every week. We're bringing him up every episode, every segment. He's kind of like Old Dobin of last. Last year, in fact, his last name starts with the same letter. I mean, there's a there's a similarity right there. And of course, I'm talking about Adam Gaudet. And and you look at his deployment through the last five games, in and out of the lineup, playing on the wing, not playing in what I would describe ever as ideal circumstances. Wh- where do you see this heading? Like, at some point, they have to get him into the lineup for an extended look. I mean, he's not a spring chicken, right? We're talking about somebody one year younger than Bo Horvat. Where do you stand on this? That's the thing. I just don't think that the Canucks have really, to me, they haven't managed so far this year his development. Like, I don't see a plan in place because I think it was pretty evident internally uh, when you talk to whether it's Ryan Johnson or, or anyone else in the organization that they felt it would have been ideal for Goddard to start the year in Utica and play 20 minutes a night, all situations, round out his defensive game, his ability to win pucks back, uh, and become a 200-foot hockey player. But he had a great training camp, and despite it not being the best thing for his development, he started the year in Vancouver. But more importantly, he he was, as you mentioned, bouncing in and out of the lineup. And uh, and now you're shifting him between center and wing. And one, one game he's playing with Bo Horvat, the other he's with Brandon Sutter. Like, there's no level of consistency with him. Um, and that's a big part of why his game has been so inconsistent. It's the, the circumstances and environment around him is is evolving so uh, at such drastic pace. It's never constant. It's tough for a young player to really work and iron his kinks out in a situation like that, particularly when you don't quite have the coach's trust yet. So for me, I think the Canucks have to figure out, okay, what's the plan for Goddard? To me, I see right now uh, all four centers are healthy, and I don't see Goddard right now as being a better option than Brandon Sutter or, um, or Jay Beagle. If you're strictly looking at the player, obviously, cost considered he'd be a a better asset than um those two but right now he's not one of their four best centers and i think you have to figure out if if you believe that he's a long-term pivot then i think the ideal play is you got to get him back to utica and let him dominate there um play a few months inevitably injuries will come up or will arise and he'll draw back and then when he does get into the lineup hopefully it's for an extended period where he not bouncing in and out of the lineup and he has a consistent role but to me the biggest thing is they've got to figure out what's the plan they've got to put something together and to me right now as it stands i i think the ideal spot is utica just because i don't see him uh finding that role with with the log gem that they have um up front right now rink wide we're talking with Harmon dial of the athletic vancouver well i i, I think you kind of touched on it there in your your discussion or your your language there as it relates to adam Goddard which is the Canucks are having a difficult time building an identity with their middle six. And I think that he is kind of the poster boy 
for that. I mean, look at the team. Look at the players available to the Canucks right now. That is the most glaring issue in terms of consistency, in terms of identity, in terms of finding a constant fit. What do you do with that group, Harmon? I mean, you, you leave the, the first and fourth lines alone. How are you building out this middle six in such a way that you can really tilt the ice in your advantage and start developing some secondary scoring? Right, and that's that's a million-dollar question because they're, the Canucks have a lot of middling personnel to them, but they haven't quite found that right combination. To me, I think I think you got to give Berchi a long look with Horvat. He's shown that chemistry in years past. He has scoring touch. Um, after that, beyond that horvat Berchi duo, duo, it becomes tougher because I think the ideal fit would be a playmaker with those two, given that Berchi's more of a uh, of a finisher who fights, who finds the soft spots in defense in the in the defense's defense's coverage, and Horvat too. He's a bit of a dual threat. I wouldn't classify him as a playmaker, but the Canucks don't have that in their middle six right now. So I think um, you have to then think about who else adds a dimension to that line. And you can talk about speed with Jake Vertanen. I, I think uh, Josh Levo is the better fit in that sense, just because he's shown and he, and he did it again. Uh, Winnipeg last night where uh, great back check and he wins the puck and he set Bo Horvat up right in front of the doorstep for what would have been the tying goal in the third period if Connor Hellebuck hadn't robbed Horvat. So to me, I see Levo as a player. He drives possession, uh, wins pucks back, uh, and he can do a lot of the grunt work for that line. And I think he fits with Horvat in the sense that he can thrive down low. So to me, I think Horvat... Um, Horvat, Berchi, Levo is a look that you probably want to try with the second line. Um, and having said that, there's also the difficulty of Levo's propped up Brandon Sutter for the good part uh, of of the third line so far this season because of the aforementioned traits that he has with his ability to drive possession. So it's a really tricky task. And I think from the Canucks' perspective, as far as a long-term as a long-term fit, you might have to ask yourself, as difficult as it is, if if the scoring doesn't come at even strength, because Bo Horvat, his power play production has really propped his uh, point totals up. He hasn't really produced at five-on-five, five, and it's not really his fault, uh, given the circumstances around him. But at some point, you might have to split that uh, as as much as I think it's been one of the best first lines in hockey, you might have to take JT Miller off that line just because you, if you can't find enough scoring in that middle six, you've you've got to find a way to balance things out. And the way things work in the National Hockey League, I just I I, I think. Miller is a great compliment as far as a lot of those traits I mentioned as far as needing that playmaker. And I think that first line with Patterson and Besser can still be very productive with Miller on it, even, um, even if they, even if he isn't on that line. So to me, I'd go with Horvat Berchi Levo as your second line. But if it doesn't work out within the next few weeks, you might need to shift Miller back down the lineup. Harmon, would, would Bo Horvat be better suited as a third line center? And perhaps the Canucks focus on trying to get a playmaking center to fill that second line. Uh, I disagree. I think if you look at um, a lot of what Horvat's accomplished uh, throughout the past couple of seasons, he's really matured as a two-way driver and someone who is capable of taking on the hard matchups. And uh, last year, of course, he puts up 61 points, 27 goals, 
So I think he's the type of player, uh, especially, I mean, you have to remember how, like, we, t- we talk about how tough the circumstances have been for him. Like, we're talking about last season, the hardest minutes of, of any center in the league as far as if you look at the matchups he had and compare that to the quality of his line mates. So I think really, even so far, we're talking about a guy who has 14 points or 17 games. I think he, if you're talking about his true talent level, uh, he could be a first-line center on mediocre teams. So whether you're talking about the the class of teams like Ottawa, Detroit, Vancouver in the past. So to me, you always want, if you have a low-end first-line center as your second-line pivot, to me, that's good enough to compete. And I just think, to me, I, I believe that he would really thrive with better line mates. He hasn't had that so far. And I think if you look at a comparable for that, Nika Zabinijad, uh with the Rangers, he he was in that sort of a similar situation as Horvat where uh, he was probably playing too many minutes and, and taking on tougher matchups than he should with subpar line mates. Um, and he's taken off this season with Panarin, um, 11 points in, in nine games so far. He looks like such a different player, and I think that's what we'll really see with Horvat as this team grows, whether uh, it's a Nils Hoglander or a Vasily Podkols in the next two or three years. I truly feel that Horvat can be a really good second-line center for uh, a cup-contending team. All right, great stuff as always, uh, Harm. Enjoy the uh, game tomorrow, and uh, I know we'll have you on uh, in the coming weeks. For sure, guys. Always happy to be on. Harmon from the Athletic in Vancouver. Um, yeah. I mean, interesting stuff there. I, 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 in a perfect world, to have Bo Horvat as a third-line center and have a second play, like that would just be unbelievable. Yeah, but, but then like, you're talking about like the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, exactly. And they had like, Malkin Crosby installed. Sure, like, like there's not many teams that have that much depth down the I mean, look at Edmonton, for example. They would have that if they had Dreisaitl off of the line with McDavid, but we see how those two click. I mean, I mean if they like, had more than three competent NHL <laughs> forwards. Well, then. hey, listen, <laughs> that team that might not have three uh, competent NHL NHL forwards is sitting atop of the Pacific Division right now, yeah. uh, three points ahead of the Canucks. Well, Just like I predicted, with a game in hand, of course. Yeah, uh, but no, <laughs> I, I really I like that uh, the answer from Harmon there at the end. Of course, you know maybe it might take another year for uh, maybe not Pod Colson because Pod Colson is going to take a little while. Uh, Hoglander maybe you know maybe Hoglander's ready next year. We'll have to see. But yeah, inserting that like playmaking forward winger that can work with Horvat to be able to get Horvat to be because don't get me wrong like I'm a I'm a big supporter of Bo Horvat and I feel that he is a you know a competent second line center in the NHL but man if you could have him as your third line center he does so much with so little (laughs) and I think you you might be seeing a little bit of exhaustion on that front right I mean how many rotating casts of wingers has this guy had to deal with right and you just wonder at which point like the Canucks are going to find a steady set of line mates for him. It reminds me a lot of Ryan Kessler, except the the person we're talking about isn't utterly contemptible. Yeah. All right. On the other side, it's JD's manifesto. What do you got for us this week? Oh, you know, I'm going to dip into Vancouver's kind of history here and uh, talk about the goaltending. Well, there you have it. Oh, goaltending. People love to talk goaltending in this town. Do Keep it ever. locked right here. It's rink wide. It's the show that always scores. And it's on TSN 1040. The 
Canadian brew house is proud to present our talking can lager. Simply order up a can for only $4.99. We crack it. If you hear my voice, <laughs> you could win thousands of dollars in cash and prizes. Like gift cards, an Xbox, a barbecue smoker, a Google Home, or a new TV. Just to name a few. And the consummate talking can compensation, $50,000 in cash, could be yours. Order your talking can today only at the Canadian Brew House. 